0: This is Crossroads with Clayton King. So hey, if you had to guess what is the most popular, well-known Bible verse in America right now, what would you guess? Most of us would probably say John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? But I actually think there's another verse that's more popular than that one. It's just that most people don't know the context. It's the verse that starts off with Jesus saying, judge not. Yeah, we all know that verse a little bit, but what did Jesus actually mean when he told us not to judge? In this message from my own church, we're gonna learn the context of that popular verse, judge not, lest ye be judged. Only God can judge me. Well, let's see what Jesus had to say about the matter because that's what we're doing in this series. We're getting heaven's view on the matter. Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, one through six, had some things to say about judgment. Let's just let Jesus speak to us. Verse one, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Four you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you'll be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or, verse four, how can you say to your brother, "Um, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. I wanna pause right there, keep the verse up. In the center of the Sermon on the Mount, in the very middle of it, is this concept of the good eye and the bad eye and the perspective with which we see the world defines our existence and defines our eternity, Jesus is now expanding on that truth that we have eyes with which to see, and he uses this exaggeration of a splinter and a beam of wood. Verse five, hypocrites, First take the beam of wood out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Now that's the anchoring text of our Sermon on the Mount message today. Judge not, that's the King James. That's how people always quote it, the most misquoted verse in the Bible. But I wanna unpack this and show you that Jesus is saying way more than we think, he is not giving us permission to sin. He is not giving us a green light to do whatever we want to do and then say, well, I'm good because nobody judges me. There's more to it than that. First of all, God alone passes final judgment. This is God's responsibility. This is God's, one of His primary jobs as God. God alone passes final judgment. Now there are reasons why this just makes sense. I wrote a couple of these down in my notes. God has the advantage over us because God is perfect. One of the reasons we don't wanna be judged by other people, one of the reasons why we are told in Matthew 7, 1 to not pass judgment on others is because none of us are perfect. So I don't have perfection from which I can judge you. I am not on a pedestal from which I can tell you that I know the motives of your heart. You probably heard the old phrase, why don't you clean up your backyard before you start trying to clean up mine? That's the heart of God. But because God is perfect, God has, I love this, God has total knowledge of everything. So God, not only, he's well within his rights and his responsibility to reserve the right of judgment for himself, because God not only sees everything we do, God sees why we do it. See, I've said this before from this stage as one of your pastors, I I don't really struggle so much. I'm a rule breaker by nature, but I've also learned this, that my biggest sins are not the ones I do outwardly, because I've kind of figured out there are certain behaviors that I need to basically stay within the parameters of. If I'm gonna be a, a pastor and an overseer in this house, and if I'm gonna be a minister of the gospel, married to Shari, a dad to Jacob and Jojo, it's the things I think, it's the motives behind the things I do. Sometimes, I'm confessing this to you, sometimes I do the right things for the wrong motives. God sees that, God knows that. God knows when I do something that's good on the outside, but inside I have a selfish motive because I wanna look good, because I want people to notice me, because I want to impress people. God sees motive where we don't. That is why judgment belongs to God. We are a church that believes in the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And we believe in it because this book, the Bible, teaches it. But you know what else this book teaches? That for all of us, there will be a payday someday. That all of us will one day stand before God to give an account for not just everything we did, but for every idle word that came out of our mouth. And I'm a terrible pastor if I don't teach us this truth. We're a terrible team of preachers and pastors and elders if we are not warning you that one day this world will come to an end and there will be an eternity and we will spend, all of us, forever, somewhere, heaven or hell. So God will rightly, correctly, justly judge the living and the dead eventually. And when I became a Christian at age 14, In 1987, that was one of the realities that fell on me like a weight of guilt. I realized I'm gonna have to answer for my sin unless I let Jesus take it away from me. God alone passes final judgment. But from this scripture, we also see, number two, that kingdom people, that's us, Christians, kingdom people choose helping others over judging others. Let God be in charge of final judgment. Our responsibility is to help each other. We need each other. And I love the example that Jesus uses. My dad owned an electric motor shop. and When I was a little kid, my dad was welding He was welding uh, some some steel on a motor housing. I was working at my dad's shop then. He took the welding mask off and he took a chisel and he was with a hammer trying to knock off some of the hot metal to get it to where it would fit. And he got a, a small, tiny microscopic piece of hot metal in his eye. I have never seen my dad freak out so fast. If you've ever gotten a gnat, in your eye, a piece of sawdust in your eye. You know what it's like when you get something in your eye? Your eye is so sensitive. And here is the picture that Jesus is painting. When you get a speck of dust, a speck of sawdust, when you get one little thing in your eye, you can't see. Everything stops. So what kingdom people do, instead of sitting back and saying, you horrible, terrible person, you have something in your eye, our job is to help each other get it out. You go to the doctor, you go see a nurse, you go call your wife or your husband, come in here and you're trying to hold your eye open and they're trying to dig it out and they're squirting eye drops in it. And when you've got something in your eye, you need your brother and sister to help you. But here's the problem. Jesus says, for those of y'all that are self-righteous and filled with pride, you're not looking at the world through the good eye of grace. You're looking at the world through the bad eye of pride. So, just absurd exaggeration here. You've got a log, a big beam of wood in your own eye, and you're trying to take the speck out of somebody else's? How absurd. You know what happens when you've got a big log stuck in your eye? You're banging around, you're hitting people, you're knocking stuff off the shelf, you're, you're doing damage. Also, when you've got this log in your eye, you can't even get close enough to see what's in your neighbor's eye. You're not helping them, you're hurting them. Self-righteous judgment doesn't help anybody. Self-righteous judgment also makes us look like fools. When we walk around with a big log in our eye, that's how the world sees us. We think we look so self-righteous. We think we're helping people so much when we judge them. Now I'm gonna unpack this in just a second. When we judge people, it's just like walking around with a log or a beam out of your eye. You can't even get close enough to them to help them because nobody wants to be friends with somebody that judges with self-righteous arrogance and pride like this. What you're doing is every time you go out in an attitude of self-righteousness, you create a bubble around yourself and no one feels like they can talk to you, trust you, get to know you, believe in you. We're not helping anybody when we set ourselves up to be judges. And you know what we're doing? We're looking at the world through the bad eye. The bad eye of judgment, not the good eye of God's mercy and grace. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? The plank obstructs your vision. It pushes people away. It causes damage. But I have to point this out from Matthew seven. There's a difference in passing judgment and making a judgment. Now this is gonna be really helpful for you, church. This is really gonna help you here. It helps me. We are not called to pass judgment on other people. But every day we have to make judgments. It's called discernment. It's called wisdom. It doesn't mean that I can't ever make a judgment. Jesus actually says as much in John chapter seven, verse 24. Jesus didn't tell us not to judge. He just wants us to judge accurately and correctly. Matthew 7.1 says, do not judge or you will be judged with the same measure you pour out. But Jesus also says in John 7.24, stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. So that means every day of my life, I have to make judgment calls with God's wisdom on what's right, what's wrong, what's best, what's worst what's sinful and what's righteous, what's bad and what's good. And we as a church wanna teach you that you do that from the scripture. We make good, proper, righteous judgments from the scripture. Not judging other people, but helping each other as the family of God, as the community of faith. Passing judgment is the ultimate form of idolatry. Because when I pass judgment on my sister or my brother, I in pride make myself out to be like God. That's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. But in humility, when we practice making a judgment, we're using discernment. And let me throw this in. When a church leader, when a brother or a sister, when a friend, when one of your pastors, when someone corrects you, when someone that loves you, helps you see properly, that a decision you've made or a pattern of your life or or some sin that you're involved in, when someone offers loving biblical correction, I wanna say this very clearly, that is not spiritual abuse. That's not church hurt. If you wanna go to a place where everybody affirms everything that you do and nobody ever tells you that you're wrong, and God never offends you with the scripture, then the church of Jesus Christ is always gonna be a place that feels uncomfortable for you. But when you understand that God loves you so much that through your brothers, your sisters, community, the scripture, the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, that we are all on a journey together of being formed and shaped into the likeness of Christ and none of us is perfect and we all know that, we know we're not perfect, but we want to grow and we want to change, then we will begin to be people that practice wisdom and discernment. It's not church hurt. it's not abuse. When God tells me I'm wrong, matter of fact, I know that in my life, the proof that I'm a Christian is not that I prayed a prayer in 1987 at a little church in Greer, South Carolina. The proof I'm saved is that when I sin, God tells me I'm wrong. When I sin, God convicts me. That's how I know I'm saved. That's how I know know that Jesus lives in me. Hey, before I wrap up this message, I wanted to let you know about one way that our ministry serves the local church worldwide. We have 16 speakers and worship leaders that are a part of our ministry at Crossroads, and we'd love to send one of them to your church, your event, your retreat. We have an amazing lineup of both male and female speakers, folks like Naeem Faisal, Trey Bradley, Matt Holloman, Marquise Cox, Shaq Hardy, myself, my wife Shari, our son Jacob. We also have some amazing worship leaders like Matt Buckland, Greg Wells, and one of my best friends, Blake Goss. These are folks that we trust, that we believe in, that have a heart for the gospel and a heart for your local church. So whether you need a Bible teacher, someone to fill in on a Sunday morning, someone to come for an evangelistic event or a marriage conference or a missions conference. We would love to serve your local church. Just go to claytonking.com slash speakers for more information. Now, back to the message. Why does all this matter? Because number four, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. That was his mission. Now Jesus will eventually stand as judge, but that's not his purpose. His purpose is to save. I will let Jesus say this for himself because he does in John 3:17. In John 3:17, right after Jesus says John 3:16. We all know that verse and if you don't, it's pretty simple. In John 3:16, Jesus says to Nicodemus, a religious leader, "For God so loved the world" that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. And most of us stop right there. But did you know that Jesus said some more things after that? Like in the same breath almost? John 3, 17, Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world Through him, this is good news. This is what we call the gospel, that God does not want to condemn us. He doesn't wanna judge us. He wants to save us, that's why he sent Jesus. So when we believe this to be true, that Jesus didn't come to condemn us, that Jesus came to save us, here's what we get to do. We get to change our view. We get to shift our perspective. We get to stop looking at people through the bad eye of condemnation, self-righteous pride, and judgment. We switch to a different perspective, the good eye of mercy and grace. And we realize that everybody we're looking at with our eyes are just as broken as we are, just as imperfect as we are, just as sinful as we are. Doesn't matter if your issue is sexuality or pride or greed or the love of money or just plain old-fashioned laziness. We're all equal in God's eyes. Every one of us, fully loved, fully known, pursued by the grace of God. And when this shift takes place, it's beautiful. We replace assuming the worst about people with believing the best about others. And that's who we are as a church, I declare it. I declare it out loud, I prophesy it from the scripture. As the people of God, we don't have to assume the worst about anybody. We can believe the best about others. I've said this for years, evangelism is simply us joining God in a conversation he's having with other people. And when we understand that it's not our job, our calling, not even our right to pass judgment on others, then we become the hands and feet of Jesus, welcoming people, inviting people into a journey, bringing them to Jesus through our kindness, through our compassion. When we take the log out of our own eye, when we set down this big, obstructive, destructive um, tool that we think is making us look better, but it actually makes Jesus look worse, then we can actually see to help people and they can see to help us. We're looking through the good eye. When you get to the end of this passage of scripture, Jesus in Matthew seven is saying, you don't have to judge, don't worry, God will take care of that. Your responsibility is to love each other. Your responsibility is to help each other. Your responsibility, everybody together, walking towards Jesus failing and getting back up again, messing up and receiving mercy. That is what the kingdom of God is like. We are people who repent. We are people who turn around. We're people who change, we're going one direction and we turn around and go the other. We get heaven's view on the matter. And then we say, God, I'm sorry I'm wrong, help me change. Hey church, that's not just a place I wanna be a part of, that's a place I am a part of. This is a family I belong to. We're not a perfect church. If you think we're perfect, you're wrong, we're not. But we're gonna be a church that continues to teach this truth from the scripture that shows not only what the Bible says, but what it means to you. Is there somebody you need to stop judging? Is there someone you need to forgive? Do you need to put the log down? Do you need to take that great, big, huge obstruction and just say, Jesus, help me take, listen, I was raised very conservative. I was raised almost fundamentalist. It took me years. I'm still learning to offer grace. I'm still learning not to pass judgment because I don't want people judging me. I should, in Jesus' name, return the same grace to everybody else. Because what happens when we set ourselves up as self-righteous is that we wind up crushed under the weight of judgment. And here are the two outcomes that all of us will eventually face. Everyone, if you're watching us online today, if you just happen to stumble across this message months or years after I preach it, there are only two outcomes for every single human being. Here they are. Number one, you have been judged already in Jesus. Meaning, Jesus took the penalty for your sin. Jesus was judged on the cross at the crucifixion so that you wouldn't have to be. Somebody else took your punishment. His name is Jesus. And so because of what Jesus did for you and for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, in six days, I'm leaving with my wife and we're going to that place. In just a few days, in less than a week, I'll be where that happened. And I will get to... One more time, fall on my knees and worship that Jesus took the judgment, the righteous, true, pure judgment of God. He took it. I was judged in Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. So option one, either you have already been judged in Jesus and you will—you don't have to worry about being judged one day. You are declared innocent by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Your sins are washed away. You're forgiven. That's option number one. Or option number two, you will be judged eventually by Jesus. I beg you, don't take that option. You'll regret it for eternity. You will be judged eventually by Jesus if you don't repent and humble yourself and receive His grace. I just believe that right now, wherever you are, the Spirit of God is working in your heart. And I believe when I preach these messages that people like you are gonna tune in and the Spirit's gonna draw you to Jesus. So let me tell you how you can give your life to Christ right now so that you can avoid eternal judgment. The Bible says if you will simply confess your sin and repent, and if you'll put your faith in Jesus and believe that he's raised from the dead, you can have your sins forgiven and you can become a new person. And the way that you access that salvation, you simply ask Jesus to save you. So let me tell you how to do that right now. Just pray right where you are, wherever you are. Jesus is listening. Pray this to him right now in faith. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. I repent of my sin. I give you control of my life. I give you my heart. I believe in you. Help me know you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you just gave your life to Jesus, congratulations. You've just made the best decision of your life. And my prayer for you is that you would begin to walk in a brand new reality where Jesus Christ becomes your best friend and your Lord. Hey, go to ClaytonKing.com and send us an email and let us know if this message has encouraged you. That would mean so much to us. God bless. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.